So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to have you open to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. Um, if, you're, if you're a high-tech type person, uh, then you can use the app Uversion. Uh, you could actually search for a live event and uh, um, either select Fellowship of the Rockies or if it doesn't come up, you type in Fellowship of the Rockies. And then once it comes up, then you click on that. And then you'll get all the, all the scripture references. You'll get all the notes. You can actually take notes electronically. You can save them. You can email them to yourself. You can do various things with it if you prefer to follow along that way. So Galatians chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. And we're ending this, ser- this series on, on, um, on, the, on this issue of, or the topic is, Amazing Grace. And so over the last eight or nine weeks, we've been in this series called Grace at Work. And we've been looking at it, how, how grace works itself out in our life or how it fleshes itself out in our life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've grown deeper in the subject of grace just studying for, for this, uh, preaching these messages. Uh, I've enjoyed some of the conversations that I've had with many of you, whether it's been in the foyer, whether it's been in the halls, whether it's been out in the public or, or by email. I've also heard just some great conversations that our life groups are having about this issue of grace and what this issue of grace looks like. And so this morning, I want to finish the series up in the looking at amazing grace and what Paul is writing to the church, and it's in the book of Galatians, but what he's writing to the church there about this issue of grace and about what, what it's done for him in, in, in his life in following Christ. C.S. Lewis would say this about amazing grace, that he would say that it's one thing to understand amazing grace, it's one thing to come into the church but, but the danger for any Christian is this, is that the longer that they're a Christian, that they still see it as amazing grace. In other words, C.S. Lewis would use this phrase like this, and he'd say, you know, the longer you're a Christian, just a warning to you, don't let God's grace sour on you. In other words, this, that a lot of times that we can come into the church and we meet Christ, whether you met Christ as, as a young child and you were raised in a Christian home, and, and, uh, and so you met Christ, uh, at a young age and, and you've always you know pretty much been a believer and in the church or you met Christ later in life and you have a different type of testimony both stories are powerful and both stories are powerful what Christ has done in, in your life and, and C.S. Lewis would write and he would talk about this issue of amazing grace that a lot of times we'll come into the church we accept Christ this transformation begins to happen we cannot believe that we are saved we cannot believe that our sins have been forgiven we cannot believe that we have a eternal life but then sometimes he says the danger is a, a switch can flip in a christian's life to where all of a sudden you begin to believe it's about human achievement or it's about doing something to earn salvation or something about the the, the issue of works and uh, jesus talked about this jesus talked in, in luke chapter 18 and Le- jesus was talking about a church service and it was much like our service to where at the end of the service they had like prayer response and, uh, and so at the end of the service, this, this man goes down for prayer, and he comes down for prayer, and he just, he, 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 what Jesus said is he just hung his head, and he couldn't, couldn't even look up to the heavens, and he, and he just prayed a simple prayer, and he just prayed, uh, dear God, just, just have mercy on me, just have grace on me, just, just forgive me. And a Pharisee, grace had gone sour, and a Pharisee had heard this prayer and heard what this man said. And so this, this Pharisee, all of a sudden prays a prayer out loud and this Pharisee prays and says dear Lord thank you that I am not like these thank you that I am not like the 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 cheat and the swindler and the unjust and the tax collector and adulterers and 
Thank you, Lord, that I am not like the rest. Because, Lord, you know, I fast twice a week. I tithe all of my money, and, and I walk with you. And then Jesus asked the question, or he, made, or he asked the question, and he says, and so which one, of you, which one do you think walked away justified? It was the man that understood grace. The man that understood, listen, sometimes, just as a pastor, sometimes it is easier to get people to understand about the resurrection than it is to, to get them to understand that they are totally and completely have been forgiven in Christ. And so I want to talk to you about this issue of just, just amazing grace, that we would always see it for what it is and we would always see it that, and understand that what gives us forgiveness is the issue of the cross. Paul would go so far as to say that, he says, you know what, I boast only in the cross. And that's the gospel, that I boast only in the cross what Christ has, has, has done for me. I, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to, to go on a, on a cruise. Um, Ten or twelve years ago, our, our family got to go on this, this cruise. And so, you know, we, we, got, on, we got on the ship, and, and so you're just, you know, like day one, you're enamored with everything. I mean, you're enamored with the quality of service, and it's like endless food. I mean, it's like I can have a cheeseburger 24 hours a day. I mean, constant ice cream machines and, and buffets and entertainment. And so day one, day two, you're just like enamored. You're just shocked that, that, man, I get to be on this boat or I get to be on this ship and everything that goes on with that. And then something happens if we're not careful on day three. And we think, you know what, I've arrived. And all of a sudden we think, you know what, I deserve all this. And, 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 and where's my server? I mean, they, the service isn't quite as good as it used to be, or we critique the shows, or we critique what's going on, and all of a sudden we feel like no longer are we just lucky or blessed to be on the ship, but all of a sudden we feel like, you know what, we now get to critique everybody else that is serving us. And Christianity is this, when you understand what Christ has done for you, and you boast only in the cross, then you come to that place to you realize that I came not to, not to be served, but to serve others. When you understand the issue of the cross and what God has done for you on the cross, that you, you understand that it's, it's only the cross that we boast in. It's the only thing that matters. And when you understand what Christ has done for you on the cross, you don't have to appear to be perfect any longer. You don't have to appear to be like the Pharisees or the Judaizers. You just you understand that it's not because of human achievement. It's not because of perfection. It's because of this issue of the cross and what Christ has done for you on the cross. Galatians chapter 6, 11, as, as Paul ends this, this letter, he, 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 all of his letters he dictated. And so evidently, because of verse 11, we have an indication that up until this point, again, he was dictating the letter, of, uh, the letter to the Galatians. And so he's writing the book of Galatians. He's dictating that letter to a scribe. But something happens, and we know this, that Paul must have had some issues with his eyes. He must have had some issues with vision. And so all of a sudden, verse 11, look what he writes. He says, see what, letter, what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. This is the only time you'll see this in the letters that, that the Apostle Paul wrote. It's almost like he got to the end of the letter. He got so emotional. He got so excited about this issue of the cross and forgiveness and what Christ has done for him that he's like, just give me the pen. I'll just write it for myself. 
And so he ends this letter in a very unique way. And he finishes it and he writes it, writes it for himself. And he's talking about this issue, issue of justification and justification through faith by grace in Christ. In Ephesians, he wrote that it, it is by grace that you have been saved so that no man can boast, uh, not by works. So he writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he writes these words, which will be pretty much a fo the focal verses that we'll look at this morning. He says, verse 14, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is just a bold statement by the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, out of all of his accomplishments, out of all of his success, he comes to the place in his life and he says, you know what, the only thing I boast in is what Christ has done for me. I understand that in Christ I'm totally and completely forgiven. That in Christ that I am perfect and complete positionally. In Christ that I am deeply loved. In Christ. And he meets every one of my needs. And so Paul says a result of that, that, that I boast or I brag in or I rejoice in or I glory in this issue of the cross. In other words, what Paul says that I will never boast in anything other than what Christ has done for me on the cross because it's, it's amazing grace. Now, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, that He went to the cross and he, he died for us. And because of that, we can be totally and completely forgiven. Because of that, we can have the gift of eternal life. So this morning, I just want to give you just three things of what Christ has done for us on the cross and, and that we should always remember this grace. We should always remember this amazing grace. We should always remember what He has done for us on the cross. The first thing is this, that, that the cross means to us is this, is, is that Christ is our provision. Is that he, he is. He is our provision. The Judaizers were coming into the church and, and Gentiles were meeting Christ. They had no religious background. And so they're meeting Christ. The Judaizers come into the church. They were, they were Jews uh, that, that, were, that were meeting Christ. And, and, and the problem was that when the, when the Gentiles were coming into the church, the Jews were telling the Gentiles that there's some religious things you've got to do, that it, it's great that you want to be saved, and it's great that you want to come into the church. But, but, but you know, to do that, there's some, there's some religious things you have to do. One of the things you have to do if you want to be saved, if you want to have a relationship with Christ, that you have to be circumcised. In other words, what they were saying, that there's a process now. There's some things you have to go through. There's some rituals. There's some religious things that you have to do. See, the Judaizers weren't saying that, that Jesus didn't die on the cross, and, and, and they weren't saying that he didn't die on the cross, and he wasn't resurrected. What they, were, what they were saying is this, is that Jesus died on the cross. He started the work, and now, because he started the work, we've got to finish the work by some religious things that, that we have to do. In other words, that what they were saying is Jesus plus something else equals salvation. The gospel is this, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That we believe, as believers, that Jesus finished the work on the cross and that there's an ongoing work going on by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus Christ finished the work on the cross and what the Judaizers were saying is basically it's Jesus plus something else. It's Jesus plus some religious thing. It's Jesus plus some ritual. It's Jesus plus some human achievement that you have to work towards. In other words, this is like religion's gone bad. 
uh, that we realize that this issue of amazing grace is this, is that the cross, the cross is our provision. And the cross, that's why churches all over the world on Palm Sunday are celebrating the cross and remembering the cross and remember what Christ has done for them on, on the cross, that we are no longer slaves under the law. In fact, as Ephesians chapter 2, 1 says, and you were dead in, in, in the trespasses and sins. In other words, we, we're unable. We're unable to save ourselves. We're unable to earn or live a good enough life or a perfect enough life to earn salvation or earn heaven. And Paul is saying, no matter how hard you try, whether it's circumcision or whether it's rules or whether it's regulations or whether it's human achievement, you cannot do it because Paul would ask the question, uh, what, what slave can buy the price for their freedom? What dead person can bring himself or herself back to life? And the cross, the cross helps us to understand that we bring nothing to the table that it is by grace that we have been saved. And that no man, no woman should boast. There's just the free gift of salvation. Listen, when you understand that, when you and I understand that, we can be transparent. We can be honest about where we are in our relationship with the Lord. We can be, we can be real. When we have problems in life, God is the answer to those problems, and, and it's the cross that he, he paid the price for our, our sins, and because of that, we have eternal life and we need we need God in our life to set us free from the past and forgiveness Paul goes on and says in, in, in verse 12 he says it is those who want to make a, a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised in other words what, what, what Paul is saying is this is these Judaizers the, the religious people they, they only care about outward appearance they only, they only care what, what they can do to to please some religious requirements or, or to please some, some men. But, but Christianity, Christianity is not about human achievement. It's not about how we can earn salvation. I mean, all religions at their core believe and teach this is how you earn salvation. But Christianity, Christianity is this, is because of the cross we're, we're, we're justified. I mean, because of the cross when we accept him, we're justified. It's just as if we have, we have never sinned. In other words, Christianity is not about it's not about human accomplishment. It is about, it is about divine accomplishment. The gospel says it's, it's, it's been done for you. And all you have to do is accept him. And he forgives you not just of the past, but of the present and of the future. It is, it is him working in your life. And, and we're acceptable by trusting Christ by faith through grace in Christ. See, the world is fine with you and I having any beliefs that we want to have and any religion that we want to have. But when the world begins to put, push back is when we begin talking about we only, we only boast in the cross. That it's not about human achievement. It's about what Christ has done for us on the cross. And then when we talk, begin talking about that Jesus is the only way through the cross, that Jesus is the only way to God, Jesus is the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the, the Father except through me. See, the world wants to tell you that, that guess what? There's, there's many ways to God. Can you not hear the pride in that statement? See, the world wants to tell you, we'll determine how we get to God. We'll determine how we get to heaven. But as Christians, 
as Christians, we believe in the cross and what he has done for us on the, on the cross. And, and sometimes what, what concerns me so much with, with Christians is this, is this, there's a growing talk about maybe there's, there's many ways, but the scripture teaches, the scripture teaches the gospel that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Paul goes on in verse 12, and he says this. He said, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. In other words, all they care about is this outward impression. All they care about is this issue of, of, of that they look religious, they, 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 they look like they're a Christian. And then he goes on, watch this, verse 13. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. In other words, it's just outward appearance for them. In other words, it's just how they appear to others trying to please man. But they, what Paul says, he goes on and he says, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh in other words, they, they want to brag about how many people are following them and, and they want to brag about its, its human achievement and what they've done to attain salvation. But the danger is as long as Christianity is about, is about human achievement, then Christian ministry is about human achievement. And as long as there's things that we do, then ministry becomes and religion becomes just trying to get people to do the right things. But we don't live for the applause of men. And it's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that begins to work in us and develop us and mature us. It is, it is not about human achievement. It is about the Spirit of God working in our lives. That we now, we now live for the pleasure of God. And we don't live for the applause of man. And that's why Paul says that Christ is being Christ is being formed in you. And when we understand at the depths what Christ has done for us on the cross, and because of his sacrifice, and we're we're totally and completely forgiven. We are we are deeply loved in him. We are perfect and complete in him. We lack nothing in him. And then we serve Him. Not because we have to. Not because someone's forcing us to. But we serve Him out of a love relationship. That we're in this relationship with Him. And we begin to serve Him. Because one, He is our provision. The second thing is this. Is Christ is our protection. Christ is not only our provision. But Christ is our protection. Verse 12 again it says... It says it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The, the Jewish person in, in the first century, if you were a Jewish person in the first century and you embraced the cross, you, you met Christ, then what Paul is talking about, there, there'd be persecution. You see, the cross is everything. And what Paul was saying, this issue of circumcision, some of these religious things, aren't necessary or even obedience to the Jews, Jewish laws were not necessary for, for salvation so that the Jewish person would come to faith in Christ and all of a sudden because they now boast in the, in the cross 
that they would be ostracized from their families. They would be kicked out of their synagogue. They'd be kicked out of their church. And they went through persecution. This is what Paul is talking about. Paul is saying there is a cost. And there is a cost for following him. And religious persecution in the first century was not started by the Romans. It, it, it was the Jews. It was the Jewish people. And what was happening is, is when the Jews were coming to Christ, they were being persecuted by other Jewish people. Now listen, in, in the history of Fellowship of the Rockies, uh, as far as I know, we've had three different individuals uh, that were in our church that were Jew, Jewish by birth. And uh, all three of them that were in our church were what is called Messianic Jews, to where later in life uh, they accepted Christ uh, and, and, uh, and then became Christ followers. They're part of our church. And one of, one of the ladies that, that I would just never forget, uh, it was a number of years ago when she was a part of our church. She was elderly when she, when she came to our church. She was involved in our church about two years before she went and stayed the rest of her years at a, at a rest home here in Pueblo, Colorado. In fact, this individual um, is, um, is deceased now, but this individual uh, was, lived through the Holocaust. And fact is, her and her sister were both in an encampment through the, the, the Holocaust. Uh, she still had on, on, her, on her forearm, she hit, still had the tattoo or the, na or the number that, that they etched in her, her skin, and you could still see it. You could still see the scar from that. Uh, her sister, her sister didn't make it through the Holocaust, and um, so she she lived through the Holocaust. Uh, she later moved to to the U.S. She met a she met a Christian man. Uh, they dated. He he is actually the one that led her to Christ. And then through a through a, a, a systems a, a set of circumstances, they moved to Pueblo, Colorado. Her husband was deceased by the time she came to us, and so she came to our church and. And uh, she was here a short time, and, and I still remember there were there were times that I would I would go to the rest home, and I would just sit and I'd just talk to her, and I'd just ask her stories, and I'd ask her what it was like when she met Christ. And she said, "You know what? I, I I'll never forget. I'll never forget as a as a Messianic Jew. That's a Jew who knows Christ. I never forget when I took the Seder, the Passover meal." For the very first time as a Christian, and everything made sense. And right before the, the third cup, when we took the matzah, the bread, she said, when, when, a, when a Jew takes the Seder, the matzah represents the Messiah that's coming. And we look forward to that day. And she says, I still remember when I took of the Seder and I took of the bread for the first time as a Messianic Jew. And I took of the bread, and I realized that I know the Messiah. I have a relationship with him. And she would talk about the persecution. She would talk about what happened in her family, that she was ostracized from her family, and, and she was kicked out of her family. Some of her family members had wanted nothing to do with her. See, this is what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about this issue of persecution. In fact, is what Paul's talking about is this. He said, there, there's some people. And the reason they don't boast in the cross, the reason they don't boast in the cross at work or in school or in their homes or in their community is because, you know what, they don't want to go through persecution. They don't want their buddies making fun of them. They don't want their classmates making fun of them. They don't want their family members making fun of them. And Paul's like, you know what, and, and Paul's like in his day, his day, you know what, if you don't want to boast in the cross, 
you might need to check your salvation. Because Paul's like, man, the cross. The cross is our the cross is our provision. The cross is, man, I'm telling you, Christianity. It's gospel saturated. It's gospel centered. In other words, it's cry it's cross saturated. It's cross central to everything. And so what Paul is trying to help them understand is that coming to Christ and being a believer, you're going to go against the world. I mean, you, you understand. Listen, you understand this isn't your home. And this isn't your home. I mean, C.S. Lewis would say this. C.S. Lewis would say, this world is not our destination. It's a, it's a hotel. And I need to tell you, it's not even a four-star hotel, right? I don't even think it has stars sometimes. C.S. Lewis would say this, and the reason we experience pain in this world, and the reason we experience trouble in this world, and the reason we experience difficulty in this world, it's God's way of reminding us this is not our home. And this place will, will never satisfy you. It will always leave you wanting more. It doesn't matter how much success you have. It doesn't matter what you accomplish. It doesn't matter what you gather. It will always leave you wanting more. And that's why Paul says, Paul says, you know what, I had it all. And I just need to let you know the only thing that I boast in, I boast in the cross and what he has done for me. Verse 17, he says, For now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In other words, it's a great picture that Paul painted and say, you know what? I'm going to follow him. And I bear the marks of being persecuted. I bear the marks of standing up in the workplace or the school or a family or a church or a community of being a Christ follower that I am not living to please man that I am living for the pleasure of God. And it's this love relationship because it's this amazing grace that I boast in the cross. In fact, it's part of Paul's testimony. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Here, here's what he's saying in defense. He says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times, this is his testimony last one they brought him right to the point of death in other words three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers dangers from robbers dangers from my own people dangers from Gentiles danger in the city danger in the wilderness danger at sea danger from false brothers in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. In other words, these are the marks that my body bears as being a Christ follower. In other words, what he's saying, we don't fear suffering because we know who we are in Christ. When you, when you just look at the book of Acts and you realize that the book of Acts is written, written to the early church suffering people. In fact, is 10 of the 11 apostles were martyred for their faith. And what Paul is saying that, man, when you strip this world away, Christ is, is enough and He's my rock, He's my strength. But the world will always tell you there's something more. In the book of Galatians, Paul is talking about this issue of amazing grace in the cross. The third and the last thing 
that Christ has done for us on the cross is, is this, is that, that he is our purpose. In other words, he's the one that gives us purpose. He's not only our provision, he's also our protection, but he also gives us purpose in life. Verse 14 again, he says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. In other words, Paul says, I'm dead to the world. That this world has nothing to offer me because this world has always left me wanting more. This world has always left me empty. This world has not been the source of my satisfaction and joy. He says, you can take the best this world has to offer. And there's still this longing and there's still this longing for more. I mean, this is a radical way to live in relationship with Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying in the book of Galatians is this, whatever you do, don't waste your life. And don't waste your life on earthly things. We're going to be here a short time. This is just temporary. This, this, is just a, this is just a hotel. On the way to our home, the way to our destination. And Paul says, we're still in the world. But the cross is what supplies us with every good thing we have. I mean, it's when we boast in the cross, we realize that everything we have is a result of that. And there is no judgment. There is no condemnation. Paul closes this letter with this issue of grace. And we're always recipient, recipients of, of his grace. In verse 18, he writes this. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you be with your spirit brothers amen in other words what he's saying we're all recipient recipients when we're in christ of of his grace and what he is saying is this may his grace may his grace be with you it's a statement that we started this series this journey out that has brought us to this month uh, to this point about 10 weeks ago and we said grace upon grace. That may His grace be with you. May you understand that it's grace upon grace. May you understand that it's, it's amazing grace. May you understand it is not about human achievement. It's not about how we can work our way to heaven, get him to love us more. It's about the cross. It's about what he did for us on the cross. And because of that, it's amazing grace. And because of that, we're totally and we're completely forgiven. And we have salvation. We have the gift of eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you with your heads bowed and, and your eyes closed, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is, what is He saying to you as a result of His Word? Do you need to come to that place in your life? And maybe you've never come to that place in your life, and, and that's okay. We're glad you're here. But have you ever come to that place in your life and you just realize... It's not about some human achievement. It's not about some religious achievement. 
It was about understanding the cross and what he's done for us on the cross and what he offers us. It was about just coming into a relationship with him and asking him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life to where you know because of the cross you're totally and completely forgiven. You're perfect in him. You're deeply loved. And you lack nothing in Christ. And so maybe, maybe this would be the day for you that you just ask him to forgive you of your sins and just tell him in your own words, there's no magic words, that you just want to start a relationship with him. And you understand what he's done for you on the cross. And you want to begin a journey with him. Maybe, maybe you're a believer. And maybe you'd say, you know what, I, I, just, I just need prayer. Maybe it's a situation you're walking through. Maybe it's a season that you're walking through. Maybe you want to pray for yourself. Maybe you want to pray for someone else. You know what, maybe, maybe you want to pray for someone that you want to invite to an Easter service. Well, we, we want to pray for you. And just like in Jesus' day, when people responded, and the man came down and was ministered to, we, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand, after I pray, if you need prayer in any area of your life, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way down? Listen, this is, this is a safe place. You know what? Let me just tell you something. As a pastor, I, I never worry about those that are responding in prayer. You know who I worry about? Those that need to respond in prayer for whatever reason they choose not to. So if you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the cross and what it means to us forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future. We thank you that you're, you're, not only, you're not only our provision, but you're our protection, and that you give us a purpose. And, we, and it's a privilege just to serve you, and to worship you, and to honor you. And so, Father, I ask that you just pull this church very closely to you, that people would respond to you and that prayers would be answered, people would be ministered to, that find encouragement, support, and comfort in you. We just look forward to see what you're going to do for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.